0: You're listening to the podcast of Church of the Holy Cross in Popper Bluff, Missouri. A community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at holycrosspb.org. Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, glory to you, Lord Christ. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing?' He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "'Peace, be still.'" Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got three readings all, all pointing to this interesting uh, dilemma in our life of faith that we we live on different levels of consciousness. And on the surface, it would appear that Goliath would be a winner and David a loser. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the way Kim read that story. That was some really good storytelling. <laughs> I could just picture David trying to walk in that armor with the sword that was so long that he couldn't even, it was dragging and the armor's, he's awkwardly trying to be a good soldier, right? And then stay says, no, I'm a shepherd. Let me just be a shepherd and do what a shepherd does. Shepherds have to defend the sheep. Shepherds have to take care of, of their flock and themselves. And so he strips down, and he's, there he is, just a boy, just a shepherd boy with a few rocks in a pouch, and Goliath is just thinking, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> I mean, you can just picture that, can't you? Um, and that image, but when we're in the middle of the storm on the boat, then we, we see it all quite differently, right? It's, you know, it's scary. We could get killed. The ship is being swamped. And sure, uh, yeah, Jesus is there, but he's asleep. We need to wake him up to get some help, right? And that's the truth. We need to wake up the presence of Christ. It may be that we're actually the ones that need to wake up Right, We're the ones that need to wake up to that presence. That presence is with us. But because it's easily obliterated by the storm, by the battles, by the constant dramas on the surface of life, how do we touch into that place of deep faith and knowing that whether we live or whether we die, we belong to Christ? How do we touch that peace that passes all understanding? And then we have Paul writing one of his wonderful, um, I I like to call them the the motherly guilt letters to the Corinthians. (laughs) Because here's the Corinthians are the wealthiest of all the churches in the early days. They were the epitome. They they had all the PhDs. They had all the good food and all the good fashion, right? They're arguing. They have fights about fashion (laughs) in there. (laughs) Um, They were the sophisticates. And here's Paul, who himself speaks, I don't know, how many languages and all that, but he decides he'll definitely be the tent maker there, right? He's not going to burden them by asking for money. He's not going to burden them by putting any obstacles in their way um, giving them any excuse for fighting, and, and uh, but you know, they find plenty of excuses to fight anyway. The Corinthians, we remember, are the ones who are like, I follow Apollo, I follow so and so. Paul's like, Don't say that you follow me, <laughs> leave me out of that one, <laughs> right? right? So, there he is reminding them, and that you know, as he does, and we there's one letter to them that he refers to that we'd never even see. I guess it's really filled with the guilt. called the sorrowful letter, the third letter that we never see. But here he is reminding them, like, oh, we did so much for you, right? We faced all these afflictions, and we went through all of these things. And our hearts are wide open to you. There's never an obstacle here. And then he says, but there is an obstacle for you about opening your hearts to us. So I say this as to children open your hearts to us right And in that again he's naming that same dynamic how things look on the surface where we get into we get into different battles and it's about who looks to be the strongest who looks to be the smartest who looks to be the rightest And therefore, who have we made into the wrongest? And it's Jesus' way is to walk in as a vulnerable and real human being over and over and over, right into those situations. But we've been well-schooled that, ooh, in those situations, you really defend yourself, right? That's what we've all learned can't just walk in there and be just a real human being talking about real human needs and basic universal human feelings. And this, of course, is what makes those situations so difficult for churches like that church in Corinth. The whole purpose of the church is to be beloved community And beloved community is vulnerable and lives by the law of exchange. Paul, in another letter, speaks that law of exchange quite clearly. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And one another's burdens are the things that we avoid. That's what he's referring to. So-and-so offended me. I don't want to bear that burden. I don't like that behavior, I don't wanna bear the burden of continuing to relate in that situation. And so we turn away and we distance. Um, But this law of exchange, it it runs so deep, it is the great mystery that Christ's church is the things that we may have in abundance that we may not recognize that we have in abundance. And I'm not just speaking of material things. That's usually where we run to in our minds. Um, but, But I'm also speaking of those qualities, those things that we value the most that are deep spiritual qualities, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we may not recognize that they're with us because we never possess them. They come and go as they're needed. Those spiritual gifts like gentleness, self-control, compassion, um, love, mercy, kindness, steadfastness, clarity. Those gifts of the Holy Spirit. To to any one of us at any time, they may manifest when there is a need. When there's not a need, they're going to go manifest where there is a need, right? So in community, this is the great gift of community. In community, there is always a need for one or another of those gifts of the Holy Spirit. So even when I might be thinking to myself, you know, everything's just great right now. I really don't need Jesus or the Holy Spirit because my life is going good, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? (laughs) So even when I'm thinking that, when I come into community, I have the opportunity to realize, oh, there is a need. This person has just experienced a tragedy, and there's sorrow, and there's the need for gentleness, for kindness, for support. Another person may be going through um, a big change in their lives, And again, a need for support, a need to encourage. So even when we're feeling like, well, I don't need anything from anybody, I don't know when that would be, but (laughs) when we come into community, we have the opportunity to experience it all. And in any moment in any community, you can find all of the differing gifts being needed. And so the question is are we able to open ourselves like David, like Paul? like the disciples in the boat, and say, hey, I'll step up, but I need help from the Holy Spirit. I'm willing to stand here in this this place of not knowing, but I definitely need the help of the Holy Spirit and to allow that spirit to manifest whatever spiritual gifts might be needed that I might be open and available for, to give away, to share. The part of the story of In the Boat with the storms that is essential for us is that we need to recognize the need. When we're not recognizing the need, we'll be staying in that place where we think we're separate, or isolated, we're individuals and we lose that exchange. In order for us to exchange with our neighbors in community as with ourselves, we also need to be exchanging with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, with God. And the exchange comes when we recognize the needs. I really want to help in this situation, and I don't know how. That's one way of crying out to Jesus in the boat Don't you care about the situation? I care about it deeply. Jesus, where are you? Wake up. And of course, when Jesus wakes up, it's going to be us in the community that are asked to help. And we'll be given what we need to help, but it may not be what we thought. The law of exchange... um, you know, a lot of times in the book of Acts, they did live it out just materially, right? That everyone, if someone had two of this and no, someone had none, then they would give that away. They would make the exchange. Um, there's a wonderful story from the Bert and I stories up in Maine about uh, Bert and I. I is the man telling the story and, and you know, Bert's the neighbor and Bert goes down to to uh, Portland, to the the Shriners Hall, and there's a meeting, like, uh, uh, you know, in those days, they would have called that, like, Christian socialism or whatever, you know, so he comes back, he's going, I learned this really interesting thing, you know, and this is straight from the Bible, by the way, learned this interesting thing, like, you know, like, if, if say, if you had two coats and I had none, you would give me one, and he's going, yeah, yeah, perfect, and if and if you had two houses and I had none, you would give me one. He goes, yeah, yeah, Bert. And he goes, and if you say you had two cows, he goes, whoa, well, whoa, well, wait a minute there, Bert. You know I got two cows, <laughs> right? That's the material version of law of exchange, that we do try to meet these needs, and we do. And churches everywhere do. When we see somebody needs something materially, that's kind of the easiest thing to recognize. Um, And then when we see that there's a need that is invisible but real, that's when we know that we really need that. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to meet those material needs for sure. But when it's invisible but real and we don't know how to meet it, we feel awkward, we feel vulnerable. How do I reach out? How do I extend myself? How do I step into this space? Um, What if they take offense? And yeah, sometimes that happens for sure. Can we hang in there with the sincerity and with Jesus waking up in our boat? Can we hang in there through the discomfort, through even maybe momentary Things where somebody feels offended or confused by our desire to help? And can we look a little deeper? Well, okay, that's not, I guess that wasn't the way to help. Can you tell me how I could help? Is there a way I can help? And just keep working on it. Because in the end, what is the church is that network of relationships that is empowered through Christ and the Holy Spirit to really love one another and that love includes the awkwardness of not knowing, the awkwardness of sometimes feeling confused and offended, the awkwardness of needing forgiveness and needing to know more and to learn more and to get to know one another more truly. That's Father's Day. And um, I think when I think of my own father, I think about the ways that even now—I'm I'm fortunate that he's still alive. He's in his 80s, but even now, he keeps trying to be a better father. I'm—I'm I'm just amazed by that. Um, I had an experience just a few weeks ago where he called me up and said, well, your mother and I need to speak with you, and I felt like a little child who had done something wrong. I was like, I remember that. You guys are gonna gang up, what did I do? And, and so what came out of my mouth was, well, I hope you wanna listen to what I have to say, because of course we do. <laughs> of course, of course we do. And so we made an appointment on the phone And I was kind of dreading it, because I had that feeling from childhood again. And um, what's gonna happen here? Well, we got onto the phone, and then my father said, your mother and I would would like to hear what you have to say. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness. And for five minutes, I got to talk about what was going on, and they listened. And I thought, that's remarkable that he actually listened to what I said and took it in. It's so hard to change patterns, you know that. I mean, we all know that. And and to be in, I'm 60, I find it really, really hard for him to be in his 80s and make that effort. It means everything in the world to me. That's the opening. Those are the kinds of openings through which the Holy Spirit just gives more than... I could have ever asked or imagined. Just the five minutes, but it was the, it was, the sincerity, of the heart, of my father in doing that. So I want to um, close with a song, that's really one of my favorite songs about, about this journey that we're on. Um, and and there's one. Um, verse in it. It's called For Real. One verse in it about where the songwriter is singing about his father specifically. So um, and it may touch some of you. You may have had this a similar experience or with another family member. Um, The words go, my father would never put a parachute on in the Pacific back in World War II, he said he'd rather go down in familiar flames than to be abandoned and lost in that endless blue. Some of that blue got into my eyes and it seemed like we could just never stop fighting that war until I first caught a glimpse Of that endlessness and oh Lord I loved him like never before there's a hole in the middle of the prettiest life so the lawyers and the prophets say not your father nor your mother nor your lovers gonna ever make that go away there's too much darkness in the endless night to be afraid of the ways we feel. So let's be kind to each other. No, not forever, just for real. We have each moment to be kind to each other, just for real. We don't need to stretch it into, I can't do that forever, (laughs) right? Just this moment, just this time, just for real. And that's the moment when Christ can waken in us, this moment, and say, peace, be still. Peace, be still.